We are back yet again with the Thick Man Inc. podcast to give you our Week 15 predictions for the 2022 NFL season. And this is a very important episode because it's the final episode of my collegiate career before I depart this horrid campus I've been attending the past four years and become professionally unemployed. On to the sporting spectacle, where the Minnesota Vikings will host on Saturday, not Sunday, the Indianapolis Colts. And we know the Colts are a mess. Jeff Saturday is a better coach than the previous one, but their team is dreadful. Their defense dreadful, their receiving core terrible. T.Y. Hilton's back in the NFL, and honestly, it'd be a big asset for the Colts he goes back on their team, but he's not there. Their quarterback play, horrible. Their running game, overrated. And the Vikings, while very flawed and will probably make it a one-score game, are still going to find a way to beat this Colts team. The Colts are not good. They're bad. They're ugly. It's hard to watch them play, and Justin Jefferson is going to sauce anyone who dares to stand in front of them. Well, I think the Colts being good when Jeff Saturday first got there had a lot to do with new life being in the building, and they had been losing all season. They, Like you said, they haven't had a good roster, and that initial hiring gave the Colts some life that allowed them to beat up on a bad Raiders team. Ever since then, they've gotten worse every single week. They look less and less competent every single week. Jeff Saturday looks like less of an NFL coach every single week. So when you're going into this week, and now I know the Vikings are fraudulent. I just made a whole TikTok about them being fraudulent. They're playing the Colts. And when you have Justin Jefferson on your team, having one of the greatest single season receiving season, single season receiving, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. He's having a great season. He is going to take tear the Colts apart. It doesn't matter how bad the Vikings defense is at this point. The Vikings should win this one. They're at home 1 p.m. inside. Kirk Cousins is going to shine. They're going to win the game. It's important to note that the only one score game Jeff Saturday has not had this team is a matchup with the Cowboys who blew out the Minnesota Vikings by about 40 points. So maybe the Cowboys are just legit and the Colts are all right, but we'll wait and see. Going to be another one score game though. Guarantee you of that. On to Cleveland where the Browns are facing off against the Ravens without Lamar Jackson. And we all know this game's going to go. The massage and enthusiast is back. He is a force of nature when he is at his full powers and he improved a good bit last week. So much so, I think he is going to get even better this week. The Ravens don't have a particularly good defense. It's been ravaged by injuries. They're not particularly well game planned to deal with high power passing attacks. And while Deshaun Watson may be a scumbag, a creep, and a degenerate, he was once still a good NFL quarterback and he's going to begin to play like a good NFL quarterback again. He's going to have 350 yards this week, two touchdowns, maybe three touchdowns, and a little bit on the ground. And that will be enough to beat this lack luster late Ravens offense with no Lamar Jackson. Well, like we just talked about, the Ravens are another team that play close football games. Over their last three games, they have a one-point loss to the Jaguars, a one-point win over the Broncos, and a two-point win over the Steelers. So however way this game goes, I expect the game to be close, and hopefully Tyler Huntley can play this week. Lamar Jackson hasn't practiced yet. Tyler Huntley has been practicing, so hopefully he can get on the field. And if he can get on the field, I am looking for Mark Andrews finally to have another good performance again. He's had few and far between since he's been injured, hasn't really been putting up numbers, hasn't really been getting involved in the offense. I think they're going to look to do that against the Browns this week, and I think the Ravens are going to pull this one off. Deshaun Watson is no longer a good quarterback. He hasn't, like he said, he hadn't played for 700 days. He doesn't have it anymore. Tyler Huntley is going to be the better quarterback on the field in Cleveland, and the Ravens are going to win the game. Come on, man. I had Deshaun Watson as much as the next guy, although I do own a Deshaun Watson jersey, regrettably, but he is not going to be worse than Huntley. Huntley is only good when he uses his legs. The Browns are winning this one. At home, too, it's just not happening. But 
On to the final Sunday game, excuse me, on to the final Saturday, and the Saturday night matchup between the Bills and the Dolphins. And the Dolphins have had a rough two games. They got humiliated by the 49ers, and Tua played the worst game of his career, high school, college, or professional, against the Chargers on Sunday night football. And it's not going to get any better this week. I think Tua is still a top 10 quarterback. He just needs things to go his way to be as effective as he possibly can be. Things are not going to go your way when you are a warm weather team relying on your passing attack going into four inches of snow in Buffalo. The Bills have the home field advantage. They've got the climate advantage. They've got the play style advantage because as lackluster as parts of the Bills running game are, Josh Allen is still going to put his shoulder down and run over someone. Has a much stronger arm than Tua, which will be able to get the ball through the biting rain and snow to his receivers downfield. The Bills are going to advance to 11-3 this week, and the Finns are going to lose their third game in a row. Still a good team, though. I feel bad for Tua because the narrative is once again going to start to turn around against him, uh, unjustly in my opinion, because he can see still a great quarterback quarterback in the NFL. While he may not be in that Herbert class, he just, you know, loses to the guy that was drafted right after him after that guy puts up a spectacular performance and he doesn't do too hot. And now he's going into Buffalo, a division rival, looking to possibly gain a game on the Bills in order to win the division. It's not going to happen. Tyree kills dealing with that hip injury. Bills have home field advantage in prime time. Josh Allen is going to run over the entire Dolphins defense and the Bills should win this one at home, prime time game, coming off a bad loss for two against a pass heavy offense with their best player dealing with an injury i think the bills should win <laughs> i think the bills are going to win you would have to hope on to these sunday games we've got a dreadful nfc south matchup at 1 p.m between the saints and the falcons both these teams are facing the end of their season the only way the falcons could possibly hold on is if the buccaneers completely fall apart the saints are done and this game is going to be inconsequential in the grand scheme of things and you know what happens in inconsequential games shenanigans, tomfoolery, and what is more fully in Tommy than a tie? The Saints are going to go out this week with the home field advantage in the Superdome and tie with the Atlanta Falcons with a crispy final score of 23-23. to Well, the Falcons, you know, we're having Desmond Ritter start this week. We're going to get to see a rookie quarterback at this point in the season, 13 games in for the Falcons, and I think he's going to infuse some life into the Falcons' offense. They have been dealing with Marcus Mariota all season long, who hasn't been affected at all really passing the ball while he has done some things on the ground and Desmond Ritter he's going to spread the ball out a lot more Drake London's finally going to have a big game I think maybe he's able to get the ball to whoever else the Falcons have at receiver I'm not quite sure outside of Drake London and Kyle Pitts so I think the Falcons are actually going to find a way to win this game put a little bit of pressure on the Buccaneers to win the division and I I just you know throwing a dart at the dartboard right now gotta hope for a tie everyone wants to see a nice tie at 1 p.m. I want to do another miserable game between two five and eight teams, but with one having the clear advantage this time, the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to Carolina to take on the Panthers. And I like Sam Darnold as much as the next guy. He has some of the freakiest runs of a not particularly athletic quarterback in NFL history. But the Steelers, now that they've got TJ Watt back, are looking good. Their offenses look better, not functional, but better. And their defense, once again, looks like one of the best in the league. Watt's going to have a great game against the Panthers' lackluster offensive line. Particularly, their rookie offensive tackle has been getting beaten around all year. And it's going to be a fairly one-side affair for the Steelers. Low scoring, but one-side. I mean, losing to the Ravens' third-string quarterback last week was not a great look, um, especially with because Kenny Pickett was out, got knocked out of the game with a concussion. And if Kenny Pickett 
Pickett is able to come back and play this week, I am picking the Steelers to win. If he's not able to come back and play, the Panthers have the better quarterback. Sam Darnold, in my opinion, is better than Mitch Trubisky, although we're not comparing the greatest quarterbacks in the world there. So if Kenny Pickett is out, I think Sam Darnold is going to do his thing with the Panthers, lead them down the field, put up some points, and the Steelers, I don't think they're going to do much offensively with Mitch back there. You know, there's an alternate the timeline. There's an alternate timeline where Mitch Trubisky and Sam Darnold are in an MVP race at this point in the year as opposed to a race for the first overall draft pick. But we don't need to get into that. The failure of first round quarterbacks drafted in the first three picks is truly something special to witness. On to Mitchell Trubisky's First team, though, where the Chicago Bears face off against the Eagles. And what do I need to say about this game? You can say, oh, the Eagles are struggling this, they're frauds that, but you don't need to be a contender. You don't need to be a top-level team to beat the Chicago Bears, particularly with all they got going on. The Eagles are better at quite literally every position besides maybe interior nose tackle. And if Jordan Davis comes back, they'll be better at that too. This is going to be a route. The Eagles are going to dominate the Bears. And the only good thing about this game is because both teams run the ball so much, it's going to be over quickly. I mean, offensively, the Bears are the, oh, I'd say their offense is the Walmart version of the Eagles. They have, they're more productive rushing the ball, but that's only because they can't really pass the ball. They don't have the offensive line to do that. They don't really have the receivers to do that. And the Eagles are one of the best rushing teams in the NFL that can also pass the ball. A.J. Brown over a thousand yards. Miles Sanders over a thousand yards. Devonta Smith does his thing. Dallas Goddard may be back this week. So with how bad the Bears defense is, how much more superior the Eagles are with talent on offense, it, it should be an easy victory. I don't really feel think the Bears stand a chance, especially with the lack of talent they have on defense. Yeah, Chicago's screwed. But here is the controversial pick of the week. The 1-11-1 Houston Texans are hosting the Kansas City Chiefs at 1 p.m. And while the Texans may have played a tight game against the Cowboys, some people say, oh, they gave it their all and are now going to be burnt out. I don't think that. This is a trap game. Everybody knows the Kansas City Chiefs are one of the two best teams in the NFL. They're being told that by the media. They're the best team in the AFC. They're going to beat the Eagles, yada, 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 yada. Their heads are getting a little big. Some egos are flaring in that Kansas City Chiefs locker room. They're going to approach this game against the tanking Houston Texans with the mindset that we are going to win effortlessly. And that's not going to happen. The Texans are going to force a game here. I think if it comes down to a push comes to shove, the Chiefs are not going to be able to turn it on quick enough as dynamic as their offense is. It's not as explosive without Tyreek Hill. They're not going to be able to turn it on quick enough to beat the Texans. And Houston will force a major victory, an upset victory, a 28-24 to victory against the Kansas City Chiefs and knock them down a few pegs. How many times are you going to say quick enough there? Plenty, son, plenty. <laughs> I, I, I just don't see that happening because I think the Chiefs got a little bit of the of a wake up call last week. They went up twenty seven to zero on the Broncos. They thought the game was out of reach. They didn't think the Broncos had a chance of coming back with how bad the Broncos' offense was. But then the Broncos turned it on. The game wound up being a one score game in the end, and it wound up being a lot closer than it should have been. I think that was the Chiefs' wake up call. They don't need another one with how good that team is, how good the players are, how experienced that roster is, how experienced. Andy Reid is. They are going to be ready, and I don't think they're going to underestimate the Texans. Patrick Holmes is going to go for another 360. Travis Kelsey's probably going to put up 150. Juju may score a couple touchdowns. Jarek McKinnon may, you know, get a shovel out of the backfield and take it 70 yards for a touchdown. It's going to be a route. It's going to be 30 to zero and the the Texans gimmicky three quarterbacks in one game even though with them all being healthy is not going to work against the Chiefs. With them all being healthy and them all not being particularly good. You have a little faith in the Houston based football team. Fair enough. You do you son. Me, I'm picking the underdog. And speaking of underdogs, 
I ain't picking two in a row, particularly two from the AFC South. The Jaguars are the definition of consistently inconsistent. They look dominant one week, and then the very next week look dreadful. They looked good last week, which means they are in for a severe letdown this week. Their opponent, the Dallas Cowboys, who are looking to prove they are not pretenders after almost losing to the Texans. The Cowboys are going to come in there and salt the earth against the Jaguars. Lawrence is going to throw three interceptions, their defense is going to get gouged, and the Cowboys are going to have a lackadaisical time past the second half, or past the first half. So I'm giving this one to a pretty, pretty confidently. I'm giving a confident with the Cowboys here. Come on. What are we doing? Well, to play the devil's advocate a little bit, Trevor Lawrence finally seems to like be that guy. He finally seems to be that number one overall pick we all expected him to. I mean, Evan Ingram had the best game of his career by far. It was 11 catches, 160 yards, two touchdowns. All of a sudden, Zay Jones is a number one receiver. Christian Kirk is a number one receiver. There are names on that roster that we never really considered to be productive players in the NFL. And with Trevor Lawrence, Lawrence throwing the ball, they have started to make a name for themselves, so to speak, in in the league this season, particularly. So well, I Christian Kirk so- got seventy two million dollars, so I think he counts as a name. Well, I was, I was more referring to Zay Jones there um, with that comment, but I. I I do think there's an there's a lane for the Jaguars to win, but much like my prediction with the Chiefs, I think the Cowboys got their wake up call last week against the Texans. They should have lost to the Texans. All the Texans needed to do was punch that ball in, and the game was over. Cowboys didn't have a chance to win. I think that was their wake up call. That was their defense's wake up call. They're going to be ready for the Jaguars, although they also have a lot of injuries in their secondary, so that also opens up the door for it to be a high scoring game. But in the end, I think the Cowboys are going to get it done. Uh, Zeke Pollard, CD. Dalton Schultz. I think they'll be able to do enough on offense to get it done against this inconsistent Jaguars defense. I will say Evan Ingram is a real threat though, considering the best quarterback he's ever played with is currently throwing in the ball. We don't need to really take a dive into the New York Giants quarterbacking history. On to Jersey, where the Jets are facing off against the Detroit Lions of Detroit. And this is a game of gritty underdog teams who should not be in the situations they're in. The Lions are on fire. They're beating everybody. No one expected Detroit to be competing for a playoff spot this late in the year. No one except for me, of course. But the Jets, they've got Mike Effin White. If White plays, if he can function through the injury he's currently dealing with, and it's Wednesday, so we don't know if that's going to happen yet, it is going to be an electric matchup. If Zach Wilson has to come in, yeah, the Jets are screwed. Well, if it's White on golf, goodness. This game, high scoring, defensive effort everywhere. Elite quarterback play, elite defensive play, phenomenal work from talented skill groups. Who wins? The American viewer at home wins. But I will not pick against MCDC. He is going to go into New Jersey and beat the Jets. In a close game, though, close game. Mike F. and White is going to yeah. make this one close. Well, this is going to be one of the better defenses that the Lions play all season long. I mean, they still have Jared Goff as their quarterback. And while he's been very productive, the Jets have 12 interceptions on the season. Top 10 team when it comes to interceptions. They have Sauce Gardner. Their defense is great in general. So it is going to be interesting to see how this Lions offense that has been very productive has a lot of very solid pieces. Two very good running backs in the backfield. Jamison Williams is now back. Amon Ross St. Brown has been that dude top five receiver in the NFL he's making that push so I am going to pick the Lions at the end of the day because I think their defense is going to do enough against the Jets offense which isn't nearly as good as the Lions offense I'd say and I think the Lions are going to put up you know they're going to get a deep shot to Jameson Amon Ra is going to get his 10 catches and DeAndre Swift may break off a long run so I'm going to go with the Lions on this one but uh, you know Jets defense is really good and could win it for him. 
It's going to be a good matchup, though, I will say. I'm guaranteeing that one. Now, watch. This is going to be a 42-7 victory for New York. Now, we've hyped the game up. On to a game, though, where I'm sure no one's touching 40 points. The Cardinals with no Kyler Murray are taking on the Broncos, who should probably consider shutting down Russell Wilson for the year and praying he can mentally fix himself by the time next season rolls around. This game is going to be a mess. Both these teams are supposed to compete for a playoff spot, and now they're both competing for the first overall pick, or in the Broncos' case, competing to give the Seahawks the first overall pick. This game's going to be ugly. I'm not going to watch it. The TV will remain off. I would rather stare at my own reflection in a black screen than watch this game. If I had to pick a winner, I'm going to pick the Broncos. They've got a much better defense than the Cardinals, and that's really the only good unit on either of these two teams, with the exception of DeAndre Hopkins, of course. But he will be useless with the Cardinals' current quarterback situation. Well, Russell Russell Wilson is still in concussion protocol and, you know, Kyler Murray's out. So we're going to get to see Colt McCoy versus Brett Ripien. <laughs> Exciting matchup there. And if we're picking it just based on the better quarterback, I think that probably goes to Colt McCoy. I think he's a solid backup uh, quarterback in the NFL. hairs with that one. Come on. He's a solid backup. He's probably a top 10 backup in the NFL if we're ranking backups. Uh, Brett Ripien, I don't two think- two of the fit- best 60 quarterbacks in the world. How about that? <laughs> Whatever. Brett Ripien, I don't think is quite as good, but like you said, that Broncos defense is electric. They're probably going to score two defensive touchdowns and win the game just off that. So I'm picking the Broncos. They're at home solely based on their defense. That crowd's going to be loud. That defense has done great things. You that stadium's going to be empty. That stadium is going to be empty. You think the Broncos fans are going to turn up to watch a 3-10 and 10 People team still show up to watch NFL games at the end of the day. It's not going to be a completely barren stadium. It's going to be pretty bad, son. I guarantee you. There are not going to be many people in attendance. They claim a sale for this game. They're lying. <laughs> Whatever you want to say. <laughs> Get me pretty loud. Get out of here, man. On to a place where it's also probably not going to be too loud. The Las Vegas Raiders are facing off against the currently wildcard bound New England Patriots. And this game is just a mess. The Patriots' former offensive coordinator is running one of the worst offenses in the league. Worst, incorrect. One of the most disappointing offenses in the league is a better way to put it. The Raiders have let everyone down this year, particularly with Hopkins, no, with Adams, Waller, Renfro not being as productive as they should. Josh Jacobs. Oh, oh, Renfro and Waller have been injured, so I don't think that's. That's why they're not being, yeah, that's their fault. Poor coaching. Gotta get them ready to play, son. <laughs> you know they're going full contact on Friday every single week, which is why Waller and Renfro aren't there. But I digress. Mac Jones is beginning to rebel against Matt Patricia, though. He is telling him to shut the F up, telling him, I'm running this place, waving him off. And ever since he did that, the Patriots offense looked decent, looked better. Didn't look good because it's got Mac Jones as a quarterback with no wide receivers, but it looked better. So for that reason and that reason alone, I'm picking the Patriots. If I had to give you a second reason, because I just said that reason, that reason, I'd say the Patriots have a better defense, too. Not particularly close there, but I think Mac is going to be able to do a little something-something to the Raiders this week. I don't know what Patriots offense you have been watching to where you, you can conceive the final anything. two quarters. <laughs> yeah, but that 17 didn't straight look good. points. There's nothing all right going on good in that locker room when you have your starting quarterback cursing out the offensive coordinator as he goes back onto the field. They scored 17 points straight after he did that. Yeah, because of how Something's good their defense right. was. Their defense was getting stops, screening turns, giving them short fields. The offense is pathetic. The Raiders are at home. You know, they have a. <laughs> Are they officially eliminated from the playoffs? I have no idea. They could sneak it still. I feel like they technically could still sneak in if they went out five wins, finish the season nine and eight. I haven't really looked into that, but Dan- there's a possibility Darren Waller is back this week, which if he's inserted in that lineup, it's going to make it even a better shot at them winning this game. So I think just with Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, 
Patriots defense not quite as good as it's been in the past. Patriots offense being pathetic and having turmoil between play caller and quarterback. The Raiders are going to finally get this one, get a win here. But, <laughs> you know, it's another game they probably lose because they've been losing games in dumb ways all year long. Hey, there ain't no turmoil anymore, son. Mac Jones just flopped his nuts out on live teams and I'm the captain now. There ain't no problems anymore. Mac is going to run this Patriots offense. This Patriots offense is going to run over the Raiders. This is the most heated debate we've had all week, which will give you a clear statement on the low quality of games being played. God, Raiders Patriots, man, in 2022. In the eyes of God on national television. Goodness. Anyway, on to the Titans taking on the Chargers. The Chargers got the biggest win of their season. Mr. Social Media Quarterback just proved a lot of people wrong. And look, the Chargers now are getting a little more healthy. Their receivers are starting to come back. And all in all, they're looking like a solid team. They're going to be a formidable wildcard opponent for whatever team gets unlucky enough to play them in the first round. Titans, on the other hand, might be that team. They look like they're going to win the South. Not a big achievement there but they're not going to be any higher than three seed, most likely the four seed in the AFC. Here's the thing. The Chargers still have a dreadful run defense, one of the worst in the NFL, certainly one of the worst among contenders or people who would like to contend. Derrick Henry is going to run rampant. He had 100 yards in the first half against the Jaguars last week, and he was hungry for that 200, but unfortunately, they pinched him and stopped running the ball because they were down so much. He's going to get that 200 this week. He's going to run rampant in LA, become the king of LA, take LeBron's crown, and make Justin Herbert rise it. Hey, having a social media running back in addition to my social media quarterback staff would be pretty nice, because Derrick Henry's kind of a social media running back, too, if you think about it. So, what you just said is Derrick Henry's just, you know, not quite that good, which I know you don't really no, think is Giving him that social media quarterback title or social media running back title. A crispy, crispy 200 yards and, and two carries for not, 80 yards. And what you're not acknowledging is that the Titans have the second worst defense in the NFL when it comes to, I think, passing defense. Maybe not total yards. It's one of the two. Their passing defense is dreadful. They have injuries all throughout their secondary. And they're taking on Justin Herbert, who has all of his receivers back right now. Mike Williams is back on the field. Keenan Allen's back on the field. Gerald Everett is actually healthy. Austin Eckler, he's that guy out of the backfield running the ball and catching passes. So their offense is going to do whatever they want to the Titans defense with how bad it is. It doesn't matter if Derrick Henry runs for 200 yards. You're not going to be able to outrun a team that's going to throw for 400. So the Chargers you can't should throw win for 400 yards if you only have 20 minutes of possession. The Chargers should win this game easily. I, I wouldn't be... I'll be shocked if Justin Herbert doesn't throw for at least 330 yards this game and four touchdowns. Be brave. Say you'd be shocked if he didn't throw for 400. Jackie Boy will Derrick be shaking Henry. in his boots. Derrick Henry and the Titans are generally able to keep up with high power passing teams like this in the regular season for one reason. They play keep away. The Titans will dominate the time of possession in this one. And I don't care what you say. Herbert's not having a phenomenal game like you're describing. He's going to have a very efficient game, sure, but he's not going for 400 yards, 350 yards. Not him. He's not going to have the ball enough. Simple as that. Even if he scores every drive. He has 50 passing yards a drive. How many drives do you think he's going to get? He is not going to be able to put up the numbers you are extrapolating for him. It's going to be a close game. Bear minimum. I'm giving it to the Titans. Though. The Chargers are, are going to score every single time they get the ball. I can't say the same thing for the Titans. You're just wrong about that one, son. But we will get into that in the reaction to next week's video. And we don't do reaction videos. I'm just kicking this issue later so we can move on to the final game. Third to final game. Excuse me. The final 425 game where the Buccaneers face off against the Cincinnati Bengals. And look, I want to pick the Buccaneers to win this one. I'm not a fan of the Bengals. I think the Bengals are a weak team in many aspects of football. I think their receivers are overrated. I think their defense is overrated. I think they got very, very lucky how things shook out out last season finding themselves in the Super Bowl. 
But the Buccaneers just aren't that team anymore. If Brady is unable to get the game to a one possession or by the time the fourth quarter rolls around, they have no shot. He is a clutch quarterback, but he's no longer a good quarterback outside the clutch. The Buccaneers offense is not going to be able to keep up with the Bengals offense. It's just how it's going to go. Bucks have a good defense. Sure, whatever. The Bengals have a better offense. Offense beats defense in the modern NFL. So I'm going to give this one to the Bengals on the road in the 425 game, and I'll be very sad about it because I'll have to hear the Bengals celebrating their double-digit win season for the second year in a row. I, I do agree. The Bengals, they had a lot of things go right for them in order to get into the playoffs this season. But Bengals fans, I you know, I've kind of come around the corner on them this season. I think they're a better team this season. Their offense is looks a lot better to me than it did last season. Uh, Joe Burrow is that guy. He's a top three quarterback in the NFL. Jamar Chase is healthy, has looked phenomenal coming off that injury. And the Buccaneers, they haven't really put things together. Their offensive line has not been as good as it was when they won the Super Bowl. And Brady hasn't had time to really push the ball down the field. Mike Evans is seemingly not even a good receiver anymore. He hasn't been able to get the ball. So Mike I Evans think- is still on pace for a thousand yards. <laughs> Yeah, but because of the beginning of the season, he's barely cut the ball the last few weeks, and him and Tom Brady don't quite seem to be on the same page. So, the Bengals will win this game. Indeed, not really much more which needs to be said. On to the Sunday night game, where we see two NFC East teams, one of which is slumping, the other one thriving, facing off against each other. Personally, I am disposed to cheer for the team based in Washington, whose name rapidly changes. Probably get a new name changes at some point in the next five years here. Have to wait and see on that one. But I'm warming up to the Giants. Andrew Thomas starting to play like a top four pick as opposed to a top 16 pick. Their running game is pretty real. Daniel Jones is, uh... Well, Daniel Jones is a quarterback. But on the other side, you got Heineke. You got Scary Terry. You've got a dynamic duo in the backfield for the commanders. you got a better offensive line collectively as a whole, I'd say. And look, it's New York, man. You know they're perfect team. If you had to pick a team to start right out this year and fall off, it'd probably be the Giants. They went from 6-1 and one to 7-5-1. and one. It's just not going to go well for them. The slide continues. 7-6-1. and one. They're not tying again. They're losing this time on the road against the Commies. Yeah, with this game, I want to pick... By the way, Andrew Thomas has been uh, shown he's a top four and elite tackle all season long. He's been good. Don't say he's starting to look like he's a good pick. He's done it since week one. He's been very starting good. Starting as in the year. Come on, son. Where are we don't, going here? Don't, don't give me, don't put, don't give don't me put that words slander. in my mouth. Don't put no, words no, in my mouth. No, no, you said starting to. I, I'm I hung on started. to that specifically. I hung on to that specifically. Congratulations. He looked like a good and pick Evan Neal, 25% of his career. Evan Neal has been the one that looks like he's been struggling. And he kind of turned he's turned it around a little bit. And we've seen a bunch of improvement from where he was at the beginning of the year. So that's good to see. But uh, coming up against the Commanders, the Giants just seem to be on that downward spiral. Uh, Saquon isn't quite as good or as electric as we saw him in the beginning of the season. The receiving core is still very unhealthy. Although Isaiah Hodges, he's kind of making a small name for himself. He's kind of carved out a role within that offense. Darius Slayton has been doing his thing. So I don't know. Going for 500 yards a season. (laughs) And the opportunities he's had, he's done good this year. And last time they played three weeks ago, the Giants should have won that game. They just couldn't close the door. Uh, But then again, Leonard, uh, I forget when Leonard Williams went down in that game. So I don't really know who's going to win. It's Washington at home in prime time. Maybe Daniel Jones runs in a straight line a couple times, makes a couple big plays. Maybe Saquon breaks off a big run. Maybe Terry McLaurin puts up 150 yards with Taylor Heineke. I don't know what's going to happen. But for the sake of picking it, I'm going to pick with the Giants. Hopefully I get to see him play one playoff game this year. Oh, I, I'm going to pick them to win. Terry Slayton's doing his thing. I'm still stuck on that comment. That is... Wow. <laughs> Terry Slayton's doing his thing. 
Oh, that's funny. That is unintentionally funny. Now, the Giants are winning this one, son. Come on. On to a game I'm excited for. Sunday Night Football. The once-dead Los Angeles Rams of LA are facing off against the Green Bay Packers or trying desperately to resuscitate their season. The window is not closed yet. They can't win the North, but they can still make the playoffs. Unfortunately, the window is slammed shut by a young kid from Oklahoma named Baker Mayfield. And we saw what Baker Mayfield did as time was winding off the clock. He took advantage of an undisciplined defense and drove downfield 98 yards, scored a game-winning touchdown with 47 hours of experience as a Los Angeles player. Hadn't been to practice once. If he was able to do that to beat a team with no practice whatsoever. What do you think he's going to do with a week of practice? Baker Mayfield is going to go out there and remind everyone why he was the first overall pick, why he was the Heisman, and why he has won a playoff game. He is going to beat the Packers. He's going to outperform Rodgers with probably a comparable amount of talent around him, honestly. Worst running backs, but he is going to go out there and outduel AA Ron and remind Rodgers, hey, look, take as much ayahuasca as you want, hop on all substances and podcasts you want. You're never going to be a real winning quarterback in the NFL unless you got Devonta Adams there to save your bake. The Rams are winning this game. They're going to humiliate Rodgers. Baker Mayfield is going to plant a Los Angeles Rams flag at the heart of Lambeau Field and let the world know that he has arrived in L.A. You got to also take a look at who the Rams beat with Baker Mayfield. They beat a Raiders team that consistently makes coaching errors, consistently handles the game the wrong way. Derek Carr only threw the ball 20 times against a passing defense that had been giving up 300 yards a game consistently over their most recent games. So uh, we are left questioning what Josh McDaniels is consistently doing. And, with and the yet Packers, the Packers have the same record despite playing in a much weaker division. But go on. And the Packers, they have better offensive pieces than the Rams. I I mean, Christian Watson has been phenomenal in the second half of the season. He has looked possibly maybe the best rookie wide receiver in the second half of the season. A.J. Dillon over the last couple weeks has been very good again. Aaron Jones is still a very good running back in the NFL. At the end of the day, Baker Mayfield can only work so much magic when his team on offense is so so much worse when it comes to what different pieces they have and who's healthy. So the Packers are going to win this one. Aaron Rodgers, you know, maybe he's going to, I don't think he's going to have a signature Aaron Rodgers game, but he's going to be able to do enough to beat this severely injury depleted Rams offense. Well, you listen there, you want to be Percy Ari. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have another signature game left in him. He doesn't have a signature throw left in him. But this game comes down to it. Rodgers has to roll on try and throw up a Hail Mary. He's throwing a 10-yard short. He is not him anymore. The Packers don't have a quarterback. It is just not going to be a good night for him. The Rams are going to go on the road and beat them in Green Bay. It's going to be some Baker magic. He's got magic. Rodgers does. The only ro- magic Rodgers have is the magic mushrooms in his pocket. Whatever helps you sleep at night, you know, with... I know you're nervous because the lines Son, are right on the Vikings' on, tail. I am on a lot of pre-workout right now. I don't sleep that much. Anywho, that has been our Week 15 predictions for the 2022 NFL season. Let us know what you think down in the comments below. Like, comment, share, subscribe, and thank you very much if you've stuck around at this point in the video. You guys are awesome.